the stories about what happened. It's true. Welcome to episode 30 of the Star Wars Canon Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Miller, and I'm so glad you decided to join me to talk about our favorite thing in the world yet again, Star Wars. And I've got to tell you, I've got a bad feeling about this episode, man. I really am starting to wonder if this episode's even supposed to happen. Uh, for those of you who are subscribed to the YouTube channel and you were waiting for a live spoiler review a while ago, it didn't happen, obviously. Uh, my encoding software, for some reason, right at the last minute, tried to tell me that the access token was denied, and that I wasn't able to to live stream. So I have to. I had to back out. We're gonna try this again. I'm just gonna record it and upload it. I was really looking forward to talking to you guys on the live chat and and maybe have a couple Skype call ins, but obviously that wasn't in the stars tonight. So I'm just gonna record this and 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 put it out that way. And you know, maybe that's for the best. Like I said, uh, like I've always said, maybe. Maybe everything happens for a reason, you know, so we're going to record this. We're going to put out a spoiler review for Star Wars. Now, for those of you, like I just said, I want to make sure this is reiterated before we get too far into this. This is a spoiler review. Once we get into the, to, into the Rise of Skywalker stuff, the, we're, I'm hitting the movie and I'm hitting it hard. So you've been warned. Anyway, before we get into all that, uh, I feel like I owe you guys an explanation. It's been like six or seven weeks since I did an episode of the Star Wars Canon podcast. And for those of you who are subscribed on YouTube and check out the community page once in a while, I put on there uh, the explanation, and I'll, and I'll tell you guys kind of what happened. Back at the beginning of November, or I'm sorry, the end of November, my computer that I've been using for three years to do the podcast, uh, I don't know if it was the last Microsoft update that came out or if I got a virus. But it completely wiped my computer of all files. Everything. I lost all the podcast stuff. It, it even wiped my thumb drives, which that's what makes me think that I think it was a virus. It wiped all my thumb drives. It wiped all my hard drives. I lost all my graphics. I even lost Photoshop. I lost all my videos. I lost everything. All my sound bites, my music, everything. And... It was devastating. And it wasn't just the podcast stuff either. I lost stuff for the mobile app. Everything that I've been work, working on so far for the mobile app was gone. Uh, photos, videos, all kinds of stuff from the last 20 years was all gone. It was just, it was detrimental to me. And when I realized that it was, no, that I couldn't salvage it, and I sat there and I stared, because I had a great setup. I had three monitors right here. You know, I had my PC sitting here. It was just, it was a great setup. I had all the workspace I could ever, I could ever need. Just to have it die on me. It hurt. Uh, so I took it as a sign at first that maybe it was time to take a step back from the podcast, spend more time with family. And I, and I did for the first you know few, few weeks. And we kind of got through the rough part with Jensen being a newborn and everything like that. So Kirsty and I started talking. And we're both artists. If you want to consider podcasting an art, we're both artists. 
and we decided that if we were going to get a new computer, we needed to get something that both of us could use, something both of us could utilize, and uh, something that if we were going to spend the money, we might as well spend all the money and get the, get the best thing possible. So we talked about it, and we ended up getting this this fine piece of machinery that runs circles around my old one, which I am now using as a paperweight, and it's it's literally holding my other webcam up to a, to the right level where I needed it. That's all it's good for at this point. At this point, but now we've got this computer, and it's got a hell of a lot more processing power. I can get stuff out a lot faster. It's got a 4K screen on it, so I can get right in there on those thumbnails and get them looking halfway decent. So, uh, I believe that that happened for a reason. I believe, I honestly believe, you know, sometimes getting knocked all the way back down and having to start over is not always a bad thing. I, I, I don't know if you guys have noticed with the new look of the podcast, I'm pretty happy with the way it looks. I think it's a serious upgrade from what I was doing before. I think, I think this happened for a reason. So, uh, I'm sorry for the break in content. I truly am apologetic of that. Uh, and I'm going to try to remedy that now. Now that I have a tool that will work with me instead of against me, I'm going to see if I can get some more stuff out for you guys. Uh, speaking of all of that, I want to talk about the Star Wars Canon Podcast app for a second. The mobile app, I haven't been able to work on it in a month and a half. My goal was to have it out by the end of this year. I wanted to release it concurrently with The Rise of Skywalker. Obviously, that didn't happen. Uh, but I'm still shooting for... Uh, around February to have this app out. Now, this app, for those of you that have who haven't heard about it yet, uh, this mobile app is the Star Wars Canon Podcast mobile app. In this app, you'll be able to listen to this podcast without even having to leave leave without leaving the app. You'll have access to the YouTube channel in app. You'll have access to the complete Canon timeline in app. Everything will be color coded for you to where it's very easy to tell what is what, what goes where. And I even have it all broken down by story arcs. So if you've got three episodes of Clone Wars and a comic book that's part of it, it's all grouped together in the right order by story arc on the timeline. Everything's broken down by how you know how much time has passed between each piece, by the date I actually went back to the old ABY and, and BBY uh, format, so it's easier to keep track of. I've got cover art of every piece of canon material on there. Uh, all of the the little paragraphs you read inside of the front cover of the book, that's all there as a description for the book. And for each book, for each page, there's links to where you can go to order a hardback copy or a paperback copy. Or if you want to read it on your phone, you can get the ebook. Or if you want to listen to it, you can get the audiobook. I have links to all of that on there, on that page for each book. Same thing for the comic books. It's all broken down by series. And some series that have more than one run, like, you know, we just finished this first Star Wars run. We're going to be doing another Star Wars run, so I've got it labeled by date. Everything is so easy to find. Everything's alphabetical. It's, it's very, very easy to use. There's going to be a community page on there where you guys can post your own reviews of stuff, pictures of what you're reading at the time. You can talk back and forth, comment on other people's reviews, everything like that. Uh, that's all going to be on this app as well including places where you can go straight to the social media for the Star Wars Canon podcast. You can email a question to the podcast directly through the app. All of that is going to be in this app. I'm, 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 I'm gearing up for it to be the ultimate Star Wars Canon app. Uh, that's, what, that's what I'm really kind of shooting for. Uh, I know there's another one, because when I first started working on this, there were no Canon Timeline apps. And I think there is one now just called Canon Timeline. 
and I downloaded it because I, I, I was in the middle of working on my app, and I, I decided, well, I wonder if somebody made one. And I looked at it. I was like, oh, man, somebody did make one. And it's a good app. It, it's, it's a good app. It's got kind of like a checklist uh, format to it. Uh, but it doesn't have literally everything. So I'm hoping that with this app, I can put a whole bunch of bells and whistles on it and, and make it worthwhile. So uh, keep an eye out for that. I'll keep you guys updated. And if you guys want to see what it looks like right now, over on the Patreon page uh, for the Star Wars Canon podcast, if you're a patron, you can get access to the link to see what the app looks like right now. Kind of play around with it a little bit. I put the previewer link on there. So if you guys want to go check it out, go check it out. Uh, and before we get into all the other Star Wars stuff, I, there's something I want to talk about real quick that means a lot to me. It'll only take a minute. If you guys have listened to the other podcasts in the past, you already know what I'm getting ready to talk about. Uh, being a former soldier in the United States Army, there's a mission that I'm trying to get behind, something I'm trying to uh, raise awareness for at this point. Uh, and I figured this was my really my only outlet to talk to anybody other than my wife and son. So I decided I was going to let I was going to talk to you guys about it. Uh, and that is veteran suicide. And I know that's a really dark topic. I know it's a very heavy topic, uh, but it's something that I feel like does need to be addressed. And you know, I, I lost a buddy uh, four or five months ago uh, to, to veteran suicide. And, and, and that is what kind of, I mean, that's, that's what hit me. And I was like, man, this, this has got to stop. So I found a website called uh, Till Valhalla Project. It's run by, by a veteran. He makes these aluminum bracelets, uh, dog tags, T-shirts, ball caps, everything like that, to raise awareness for veteran suicide while putting all of the profits he makes into creating more products but also for creating memorials for veterans so it's it's a very very it's a very passionate project and it's something that I really wanted to get behind I even messaged the guy on Facebook and asked him if I could talk about his uh, website and his project and everything on my podcast he said absolutely go for it man let's just let's get the word out so that's what I'm trying to do so I will put the links to all that in the description of this video if you guys wouldn't mind checking that out I would sure appreciate it it would definitely mean a lot to me so uh, let's get the heavy stuff out of the way. Before we get into the Rise of Skywalker uh, spoiler review, we did we we have a book announcement to talk about. This just came out just a couple of well, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, came out of nowhere. I wasn't expecting this. Uh, apparently, there is going to be a prequel book to Queen's Shadow by E.K. Johnston called Queen's Peril, and this is going to be the story of. Padme being queen and I guess dealing with the Trade Federation and everything like that. I don't know if it's going to be leading up to that or if it's going to be post to that. I don't know. Uh, but this is a prequel novel to Queen's Shadow. Now with Queen's Shadow, that was a book that really did surprise me. I really enjoyed Queen's Shadow in a way that I didn't think I was going to. Queen's Shadow was a novel that took place between episodes one and two, closer to episode one. And it was essentially the story of Padme's transition from queen to senator, which you wouldn't think would be that big of a, of a change. But you read this book, man, you realize it's a huge, huge transition. Everybody still sees her as royalty, and, and she's trying to get everybody to see her as a senator, not as a former queen. And you learn a lot about Queen Amidala and Queen Shadow with the, the relationship between her and her handmaidens and, and in some of the plans they had and some of their decoy strategies and stuff like that. It was a lot of lot. It was, it was a lot of fun to read. It was an absolute blast to read. And this book it's, it's written by EK Johnston again. 
And I'm really looking forward to this one. I can't wait for it. I don't remember exactly what the release date for it is. I'll let you guys know. But this is one that I'm really looking forward to. And so far, we only have a couple of novels announced so far for next year. And that is This Queen's Peril and I think the next Thrawn book. Uh, which isn't a Thrawn book proper like what we already have up there, but a Thrawn Ascendancy, I think is what it's called. Uh, book one is coming out this year. So we have that coming as well. That's really the only book news we have. And then Alphabet Squadron uh, Shadowfall. I think that's the only other one. So I'm really looking forward to this book. I cannot wait. I can't wait to get my hands on it. And I, I didn't think I was going to be that big of a, a Padme fan. There's not a whole lot of Padme stuff in canon right now. And that was one that I really, really did enjoy. So... Uh, guys, we've got that book coming. Cannot wait. Let me know in the comments below if you guys are as excited for it as I am. Uh, and, and I, like I said, keep it civil. Look, I always have to say, keep all the conversations civil. And I, and I say that because I know people argue back and forth. I don't think Queen's Shadow and Queen's Peril is going to be one that people are really going to argue about. Uh, but it's, it needs to be said. I've had to ban people pretty recently, a couple in the last week who weren't being very civil. So as soon as name-calling starts, it's time to kick somebody's ass out. So uh, let me know in the comments below what you guys think of this uh, book coming out. And, and man, are we going to get a third one after that? Who knows? So uh, enough of that. Let's move on to what you guys tuned in for. Now, I'm going to give one more warning on this. This is my spoiler review. I'm talking about this movie as if you saw the movie with me. Uh, if you've seen the movie, awesome. Let's talk about it. If you don't care about spoilers and you haven't seen it, cool. Let's talk about it. If you haven't seen this movie yet and you don't want anything spoiled, leave now. You, you've been warned. Okay. I'm not going to be, I'm, I'm not going to be told that I didn't give a fair warning because I'm giving a fair warning. So let's get into this. Before I start talking about the movie, I want it to be known that I went into this movie Wanting to love it. I went into this movie with optimism, cautious optimism. And I really, really wanted this movie to be good. And I have to say that I am disappointed. For anybody who watched my non-spoiler review on Facebook, thank you for watching it, by the way. Uh, you guys know that I was not a big fan of The Rise of Skywalker. To the point where I feel like this movie may have ruined the entire trilogy for me. And I'll talk about that here in a little bit. Um, before I start getting into some of the negative things about that, well, all the negative things about this movie, uh, I want to talk about some positive stuff. I, I don't want to talk about all negative. I, there were things in this movie that deserved to be mentioned that worked for me that I think there should have been more of this stuff in this movie. And, you know, and we'll talk about later on the, the implications this is going to have on star Wars and on Lucasfilm and everything like that. We'll talk about that here in a little bit, but for right now, let's just talk about the movie positives. Let's talk about the positives. It is no secret that Emperor Palpatine is back in this movie played by Ian McDermott yet again. And I have to say that this performance by this performance, not this emperor, this performance as the emperor is spot on. The, the writing of the emperor was great. 
His Ian's portrayal of him again was great. He looked a lot different than what I was expecting. You know, I always one of the things that I always hated about the Emperor in the prequels was how much different he looked. He looked chubbier. You know what I mean in the face than he did in the classics. And it always bugged me. You can always look at the Emperor and tell exactly what trilogy he came from. And that's no different with this one either. Uh, his look was almost startling. His eyes are whited out. You know, his his wrinkles are, are mainly gone. He's missing digits, though, and you can tell he looks like a Zambi, is what he looks like. We got Zambi Emperor. And I love Ian's portrayal of him. That being said, and I'll talk about it more here in a little bit, I wasn't a big fan of how the Emperor was handled in this movie. Uh, his plan didn't make sense, you know, and all this other stuff. So, uh, but Ian playing the Emperor was one of those things that I was like, oh my gosh, good job, that's awesome, great. Another thing that I did like about this movie was this General Pride, this First Order General Pride, played by uh, uh, Richard E. Grant. This guy is everything a First Order slash Imperial officer should be. He is everything an officer should be on that side of the war. Everything. And I really want to know where he was the rest of the trilogy. What the hell? Uh, the way he and General Hux kind of... Well, obviously we know what happened between them, but the way he and General Hux kind of interacted, you could tell there's rivalry there. And we'll get into the Hux thing here in a little bit and, and why Pride, you know, didn't like Hux too much. But I really feel like General Pride was one of the shining stars in this movie. He was one of the redeeming factors of it. He really, I, I absolutely loved him. And, you know, you find out in the movie he was also a former Imperial who served under the Emperor. Awesome. Where was he for the rest of the trilogy? But anyway, General Pride, excellent excellent character even the way even the way he handled general hux when we find out general hux is the spy and and how he let uh finn and poe get away and and chewie get away and he didn't even see it coming he told them oh they forced me to take them to the ship and then shot me in the leg and how grant didn't buy any of it he saw through the bullshit and just turns around and blows him away not even doesn't even say a word just blows him away and says Alert Kylo Ren. We found the spy. That was it. That was said and done. He's taken care of. That's the way an Imperial or a First Order officer should have taken care of a, of a spy, of a traitor. As much as I like the Agent Callus character in Rebels, why didn't the Empire take care of him that way? It, it That's the way traitors should have been taken care of in the Empire. So... Full props to General Pride. Absolutely love that character. I wish we'd have seen more of him. I would like to see more of him in novels or, or you know, in whatnot, comic books. I'd love to see more of him. Another positive, and this one is kind of on the fence positive with me. I'm, I'm trying to be understanding enough of it where I make it a positive. But if you take a step back and you look at it objectively, it's rough. And that is the way that General Leia was handled. 
And now, before I go any further, may our princess rest in peace. And I, I mean, what can you say? You know, she she's gone, and it sucks. Um, but even so, she left behind a character that we had to take care of, that we have to figure out what to do with now. And the way they handled Leia, and I, I wasn't sure exactly what JJ meant when he said unused footage. I didn't know if he was talking about deleted scenes or footage that nobody's ever seen. I didn't know what he was talking about when he said that they were going to use unused footage to bring Leia back into this movie. And I think with one of the last TV spots, it kind of dawned on me when it showed her talking to Ray and she said, never underestimate a droid. That was a, a cut scene from Force Awakens. That was a deleted scene that they CG'd her hair and her robes, earrings, whatnot, and, and made it work in this scene. And they worked with what they had. They did the best they could. I... I don't fault anybody for the way she was handled. It, they were stuck between a rock and a hard place. It was a lose-lose situation. Uh, so I'm going to try to focus on the Leia aspect of this movie as a positive. Uh, Leia in this movie, when you see her on screen, it looks like she's there. But you can blatantly tell that the lines were written around stuff they already had of her talking, of, of her speaking. It felt a little jarring at times. And the way that her death was handled, I, I'm not entirely sure how I feel about it yet. I'm kind of on the fence. At first I was okay with it, and then I was really upset with it. Or I'm sorry, first I was upset, then I was okay with it, and now I'm kind of on the fence with it. And... I, I get that they were trying to write her out in a very respectful way. I think they wrote her out respectfully. I think they handled the character respectfully. But it didn't make any sense the way that she went out. But I I choose to have the General Leia character as a positive in this movie. And, and absolutely seeing her on screen again one last time was heartbreaking, it was bittersweet, it, it made me happy, it made me sad, I shed a tear for my princess, so it, it was nice seeing her on screen one more time. Uh, another positive I had, and I think this is going to be the last one I've got, is, uh, sorry, yeah, uh, the the last positive I have is this certain can this certain person popping up in a cameo that I was not expecting at all, and that's Han Solo. When when we were gearing up for episode 9, I kept saying over and over and over again that the only way Ben was going to turn back to the light side, it was going to take Anakin Skywalker to do it. And I was wrong. I really thought it was going to take Anakin telling him, no, I was wrong. Don't finish what I started. Don't be me. But I should have known the answer has been staring us in the face since 2015. When Leia tells him, it's not going to take a Jedi to get through to him. It's going to take you. You're his father. That's, what's, that's what it's going to take. And when he is standing on this piece of debris, this Death Star debris out in the middle of the ocean. And Rey has already taken off. And he's standing there and you hear, hey kid. I gasped <gasps> no and as the camera slowly panned around him 
and you see Han Solo standing there. I never, ever thought Harrison Ford would come back for, for a cameo like this. The reason this scene, I think, resonates so strongly with me is because of the situation with my father. For those of you that don't know, uh, I lost my father in 20, uh, I'm sorry, 2012, very suddenly, uh, very unfairly. Uh, somebody out in the world still needs to pay for what happened, if you catch my meaning. So, to see Kylo, and, and granted, this was not a force ghost of, of Han Solo. This was a memory in his head, a memory of, of Han Solo. To see him face-to-face with his father again brought a tear to my eye. I'm about to have a tear in my eye just thinking about it again. It brought a tear to my eye. And, yeah, some of the dialogue in that scene was a little corny just because it was calling back to Force Awakens to the, I don't know if I have the strength to do it. You do. But my favorite thing about this, this cameo is when Ben calls him dad. You know, and he's he's getting ready to say, I love you. And Han just, I know. Classic Han Solo. I loved it. But it took Han Solo's memory to bring him back. Now, why Leia had to die to give all of her light side energy to bring him back, I can't figure it out. Maybe it was just her death is what made him stop and think about Han for a minute and what happened with Han, and that's what brought him back. I, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, I'm, I'm sitting there going, wait, what? So the, the Han Solo cameo, absolutely loved it. It was, it was pure gold. I loved it. And Han standing there talking to him, it felt so classic. So before I get into these negatives, don't get me wrong. There were things I really did like in this movie. Oh, and, and, and there's another one I don't have written down. A, a scene that I really did like, I think it could have been done better, but a scene I really did like was the flashback to Luke training Leia, uh, you know, and during uh, through the jungle with the lightsaber. Thought it was cool. I think the CG could have been done a little bit better. I think that's why they had it at nighttime, so it was kind of masking it a bit. But I, it was kind of a cool callback. It really was. I did like that scene, too. It was one of those like, oh, that's cool. So before I get into these negatives, I want you guys to realize there are aspects of this movie that I did enjoy. I did like this movie. I, 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 hmm. I did like parts of this movie. I didn't like this movie. I liked parts of this movie. But parts of a movie do not redeem a movie, in my opinion. This last film left such a sour taste in my mouth that it ruined The Force Awakens and Last Jedi for me. And I'll explain why once we get get around to it. But some of the reasons why I didn't like this movie, let's let's get into this. And this isn't even all the reasons. This is just these are just the ones that I've got typed out that I was going to talk about, and I was going to have the live chat kind of bring up some of the you know maybe you guys want to bring up some more of them, but that's okay. I've only got a few of them here I want to talk about. Uh, some of the worst sins this movie created uh, committed. Uh, so as we go down here, this movie did something that I absolutely hated. And actually, before I talk about this part, hang on. we got to talk about this opening crawl for a second. Uh, this opening crawl, 
Uh, even Kirsty, look, me and Kirsty went and saw this movie Thursday night. She liked it at first, and she just told me tonight that she's starting to see where I'm coming from on a lot of stuff. But she, we argued all the way home. It's an hour to the movie theater from here, and we argued all the way home about this movie. She liked it, and I didn't. But one thing that we both agreed on was the opening crawl of this movie and how horrible it was. This is, this is by far, by far. The worst opening crawl I've ever seen in a Star Wars movie. By far. And I've got the crawl here. Let me pull it up here real quick for you guys. I've got the crawl here. Let, let's go through it real quick. Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. The dead speak. The galaxy has heard a mysterious broadcast. A threat of revenge in the sinister voice of the late Emperor Palpatine. General Leia Organa dispatches secret agents to gather intelligence while Rey, the last hope of the Jedi, trains for battle against the Diabolical First Order. Meanwhile, Supreme Leader Kylo Ren rages in search of the Phantom Emperor, determined to destroy any threat to his power. Let's talk about this thing for a second. First off, this thing is so short and lacking substance that after it disappeared into space, the camera normally pans down. This thing was so short and it ended so soon. That once the the crawl disappeared, the camera stayed put for a full 10 seconds, letting the music catch up before it panned out. It set for so long, I expected a ship to come out of hyperspace. And I thought maybe it wasn't going to pan anywhere. And it was just going to... But that wasn't the case. It was that short and lacking substance. Let's go through this thing. Uh, the dead speak. The galaxy has heard a mysterious broadcast, a threat of revenge in the sinister voice of the late Emperor Palpatine. Let's put this in perspective for a second. The Emperor, let's say, put yourself in the Emperor's shoes for a second. You have secretly been alive for the last 30 years after everybody thought you died. And you've slowly been building up this Final Order fleet. 10,000 Star Destroyers, each of them with a Death Star cannon on it, by the way. You've been building this fleet in secret on the Sith homeworld. And you wait. Until 16 hours before to let the galaxy know, I'm still here. Come and get me. Here's your last chance. You waited 30 years. You couldn't have waited 16 more hours, dispatched your fleet. Everybody go, what in the hell is going on? Even the First Order would have been like, what in the hell? And then broadcast be like, it is I, I can feel your anger. You know, like it, you would have won. What this is one of those things in movies where I absolutely hate how the bad guy at toward the end of the movie the bad guy will have the good guy at the end of a gun, telling him his entire plan, and instead of just shooting him and winning, he's telling him the whole plan and then loses. Something happens, somebody hits him from the side, or or you know it just blows up in his face. That's essentially what this was. It was the emperor. Laughing in everybody's face. Ha ha ha, I've won even though I have 16 hours left. This is your last chance. Come get me. How does that make any sense? Anyway, uh, second paragraph. General Leia Organa dispatches secret agents to gather intelligence while Rey, the last hope of the Jedi, trains for battle against the Diabolical First Order. Uh, I'm assuming Leia is sending out uh, agents to get intelligence on the Palpatine transmission thing. Meanwhile... Supreme Leader Snow, or I'm sorry, Supreme Leader Kylo Ren rages in search of the Phantom Emperor, determined to destroy any threat to his power. 
didn't look like he was really raging. He was just fighting his way to get this little thing of a bob. Wayfinder, I think is what they called it. A Sith Wayfinder. He didn't look real mad to me. It, he looked more like, I got to get rid of this guy quick because he's, he's the only one that can really whoop my ass right now. And that's essentially what it seemed like. And, you know, during this whole scene where Kylo finds the Emperor and everything, we get our answer as to who Snoke was. And I was right. Snoke was a nobody. I've been saying that for a year, year and a half. Snoke was a nobody. He was being controlled by the Emperor. Some of Snoke's dialogue gave it away. Actually, a lot of Snoke's dialogue gave it away. The comic, uh, the, the, the Snoke comic kind of gave it away. There's, there's so, and you see this vat with a, with a couple of Snoke clones in it. So Snoke was a clone, but a clone of who? Was he a disfigured clone of the Emperor? Was he a clone of another being that the Emperor found that could with, you know, that could hold and harness the power of him being possessed by the Emperor? Who was he? Uh, you know, and, and, and with that being said, how is the Emperor even still alive? The last time we saw, and, and I know you guys are going to sit there and go, oh, he's a clone. He He's transferred his his spirit into another clone. I get that. And maybe you're right. But they didn't explain it in the movie. They never once said how he's still alive. The last time we saw the Emperor, much like Luke's lightsaber, we saw him going down a bottomless pit. And then he just pops back up like Luke's lightsaber with no explanation, which we didn't get an explanation on Luke's lightsaber either. How is the Emperor even still alive? Now, I know you guys are going to go to the Darth Plagueis stuff about how to cheat death and everything like that and how the Emperor in Episode Nine said, I've died many times. That's cool. How do you come back every time? How are you going to base the entire plot of your movie? Your, your entire movie is based around the fact that Palpatine's back. How are you going to base your entire plot on that fact and not explain how he's back. He's just there. He just he just magically appeared. And 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 you know, even if he survived, even if somehow he did survive the Death Star, which he didn't. I he did. But if he did, it blew up minutes later. How did he survive that? And then end up on a Sith planet 30 years later in the unknown regions. How do you get out there? And the reason I bring all this up is because even if he is a clone and he had all of his clones there on this, this, you know, this Sith world, because I've seen people talking about how, oh, there were vats of clones. Yeah, they had Snoke in them. But let's just say he did have vats of clones. It was all wiped out during this big giant battle at the end. And are you trying to tell me that you can't kill this guy? How How is he... How I mean, he he died so many times. He died in this one. Who's to say he couldn't come back again later on? Just because Ray killed him, he's he's dead for good. Why couldn't he come back later on in, in another movie somewhere? It doesn't. It doesn't. I don't. I don't get it. I don't get the whole thing. Don't get me wrong. Palpatine being back was awesome, but it didn't. It just didn't make any sense. Uh, so uh, before I. I got into the positives while ago, or before I started talking about the opening crawl, there was a thing I was going to talk about that I hate it when they do it in movies. And this movie did it not once, not twice, but three times. I hate it in films when 
And the Marvel Cinematic Universe is just as guilty of this. Just as guilty. Where they kill a character just to bring him right back. And say, oh, we're just kidding. We just played with your emotions. This movie did it three times. Now, granted, Last Jedi did it once with Leia. This movie did it three times. Chewie, C-3PO, and Rey. All, you were you were led to believe all three of them died. Just to have them brought back the very next scene. For those of you who haven't seen the movie and you don't care about spoilers, and you kind of want some context as to what I'm talking about, there's a scene toward the beginning of the film where Ray, Finn, Poe, BB-8, Chewie, 3PO, they're all on this desert planet, Pasana. And the First Order is there as well, and they capture Chewie. And as they're taking off in their transport, Ray sees them, and she goes to use the Force to bring the ship back down. And Kylo's there too, which don't ask me how he survived the crash he had just survived, because hell if I know. He didn't even have his helmet on. So, it just in, whatever. And that was the ship that had the Wayfinder on it, by the way. That he magically had in another TIE fighter later on. But whatever. And she's trying to pull this ship down. And she casts force lightning by accident. And blows the ship up. And you're led to believe that Chewie was on that ship. I shed a tear for my Wookiee. For, for my for my Wookiee friend. I shed a tear for him. Only to find out three minutes later in another scene. Oh he was just on another transport. He's still alive. He's right here. Screw you. Screw you for doing that to me. The next time they did it was with C-3PO. He reads the Sith dagger, which is has problems in and of itself. I won't get into the Sith dagger a whole lot. Uh, I don't I don't care to talk about it very much. But he translates the Sith text on this dagger, and then proceeds to tell them, "I'm the only person who can read it, but I can't read it to you because of laws. Because of New Republic laws, New Republic doesn't exist anymore, buddy." Laws go out the window. But he won't read the Sith for them. The, the ancient Sith runes for them. The only way to get that translation out of him is to completely wipe his memory. And to have him translate it then. And so he willingly wipes his memory. Who I don't want to say his personality because his personality matrix is still his personality. But his memory of everything over the last decades, the several decades, gone. Gone. That was rough. That was hard for me, even me to watch. I'm like, oh man. Now they got to deal with an amnesia 3PO? That's great. Only to find out later on that R2 had a copy of all of his memories that apparently he had backed up two days before to his Google Drive and re-uploaded it to 3PO. Oh, he lost two days. So what? Drunks lose two days all the time when they're sleeping in a gutter. Big deal. There's, there's no, there's no weight to anything that happens in this movie. There's no stakes. Uh, the third time they did it was with Ray at the end of the film. You guys know this if you've seen it. She gives her life to kill Palpatine. Ben brings her back. We're just kidding. She's still alive. I, I can't stand it when they do stuff like that in films. And this film did it three times. That's not that that pisses me off. But it's just a movie, right? So, uh, moving on here. One of the biggest things this movie tried to do 
is uh, retconning and damage control. And the night before I went and saw the film, I uh, video called with Richard J on Messenger. And he had seen the film that night. And he didn't give me any details. He just kind of gave his initial thoughts on the film. But he did tell me that the first hour of the movie was all damage control. And that the entire first half of the movie was just trying to fix what Ryan Johnson did with The Last Jedi. Now, while he's telling me this, right? While he's... I haven't seen Rise of Skywalker yet. I liked The Last Jedi, remember? So as he's telling me this, I'm like, oh, man, are you serious? Like, they didn't retcon anything, did they, from Last Jedi? He goes, no, they didn't retcon anything. But they did try to fix some things and address some things. I'm like, all right, whatever. So go into this film, and he's not wrong. It's actually more than the first hour. It's like the first hour and a half, first two hours is all retconning. And it's just little things here and there, you know, talking about the Holdo maneuver and how Finn's like, that was a one in a million thing. We're not doing that again. Or... Luke catching the lightsaber after Rey uh, tries to exile herself, which is something else I want to talk about here in a minute. I don't have that written down. I want to talk about it here in a minute. But, you know, him catching the lightsaber when she throws it, and he's like, that's no way to treat the weapon of a Jedi. Screw you, man. You just did the same thing a year ago in The Last Jedi. So they, they did try to do some active retconning. They tried to, to make... Or some order out of what the mess was. A lot of people said the last Jedi was. Uh, Rose was hardly in this movie. Was hardly in this movie. And what sucks is, I can see where people didn't like Rose. I can see why people did not like Rose in the Last Jedi. I I, I see that. But this was a different Rose from what we did see. I would not have minded seeing more of this Rose in this film. I would have loved it. I think she was a great addition, especially with JJ trying to flesh the character just a hair bit more, which is one of the only characters he did it to. It it was it seemed like she was supposed to be there. She's been in, you know, Resistance Reborn. She was in Spark of the Resistance. She's an integral part of the resistance at this point. Why wouldn't she be one of the A team going with them to try to stop the Emperor? I don't know. So I, I really wish there was more Rose. And one of the other things that I feel like kind of backtracked on The Last Jedi a little bit was Poe Dameron. Poe Dameron, when we see him in The in the Force Awakens, he's bright-eyed, he's cocky, he's arrogant, he knows he's a good pilot, he he flaunts that he's a good pilot, he, you know, he he's, he's very, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I don't want to say egotistical, he's, he's... He's egotistical. And when Last Jedi rolled around, he's the same way at first. And then they kind of turned Poe into an asshole a little bit. And and not, you know, I think rightfully so. Not with, you know, with this whole, everybody talks about how Holdo never told Poe anything. And they're mad about it. That's the way Chain of Command works. You don't tell the people further down on the, you don't always tell them everything that's going on. Especially if you have a leak or a mole somewhere in the first order, I'm sorry, in the resistance that could tell the first order what your plan is. It made perfect sense for her not to tell him that. Poe was kind of an asshole about that. You know, he he threw temper tantrum. He threw things on the bridge. He got mad. He went the hell off. He let a mutiny. 
which they addressed really well in Resistance Reborn by Rebecca Roanhorse, the novel that kind of led up to episode nine. They really addressed his guilt and his his self-loathing over all of that and how he never got to apologize to Haldo because of the way he acted towards her. Because remember, Leia told him, she taught him an important lesson at the, you know when he came to on that transport ship. She was more interested in saving the light than being a hero. That was a hard lesson for Poe to learn, and he learned it. Even for the last 20, 30 minutes of Last Jedi, he was he took that to heart. He tried to be the person Leia thought he was, knew, knew that he could be. Even when he says, there's got to be a way out of here. Come on, guys, let's go. And they all turn and look at Leia. She's like, what are you looking at me for? Follow him. She was grooming him to take over for her when she was gone, which did happen in this film. He took over for her, but... That was a lesson that he took to heart, and he really took it to heart in Resistance Reborn. That affected him a lot in that book, and he and he used that lesson. He even addressed it in front of the entire Resistance. Somebody called him out for the Haldo thing, and he addressed it. Yeah, I made mistakes. I'm not perfect, and I'm sorry, but I'm doing the best I can to better myself. And then we come to The Rise of Skywalker, and he, he's regressed. He's back to being an asshole. And he's back to just... He's angry all the time, and he's just, I mean, he he's hes lashing out at Rey. He's lashing out at Finn. You know, he even, during the final battle, he breaks in the final battle when he realizes he can't win. And he, he, he I'm sorry, guys, I thought we had a chance. And he loses it. And he, he regressed in this story a lot. Poe's character arc was going on the right track as far as I was concerned until this film came along. So that was kind of the, the retconning from Last Jedi they did, and we'll talk a little bit more about why I think they focused on that a little bit more once I get down here toward past all the stuff that I'm that I'm not a big fan of. Uh, one of the things we've got to talk about in this film also is this Force Link thing that Kylo and Rey have. Now looking at The Last Jedi, we know... Snoke was the one that connected their minds, but Snoke was Palpatine. So Palpatine's the one that connected their minds. Uh, and you know what? Before we even talk about this, let's let's talk about this. I want to talk about this uh, Ray going into exile thing here for a second before I forget about it because I don't have it written down. Before we talk about this, this Force Link thing. Ray tried to go into exile. Everybody got pissed off because Luke did it. And, you, and I've got a video on my channel talking about that was the only... The example Luke ever had set for him was to go into exile when he fucks everything up. And that was the example Ray had. She went into exile. She burned the TIE fighters, tried to get rid of the, the lightsaber. It took Luke telling her, no, I was wrong. I, wasn't, I shouldn't have done this. But tell me why you would exile yourself on the same planet that the Emperor knows Luke exiled himself on and would be able to find you there. Because remember, Snoke is Palpatine, and Snoke probed her mind in The Last Jedi and found out where Luke was and said, we will obliterate the entire island, give him the death he wants. That was Palpatine talking. Palpatine knew where Luke was. If Rey runs off and hides, he knows where to go to find her. Why would you go to exile to that? She wasn't thinking. Why, would you, why wouldn't you have gone to some other far-off planet to go into exile? You know, so I just wanted to throw that in there real quick too before we before we moved on. But this force link thing uh, was introduced in the Last Jedi, and it 
I know I know it pissed a lot of people off. I didn't mind it. Uh, because, like what Kylo said, the effort alone would kill you, and we know it was Palpatine that was connecting the two. And, you know, we did wonder at the last, or at the end of The Last Jedi, how if Snoke was dead, they could still see each other the way they did at the end of the film. Remember, because she was on the Falcon, and he looked up and saw her. How, how did that still happen if Snoke was dead? Remember that? A lot of people had that question. Now we know. It was Palpatine. Palpatine was still alive out there. But J.J. did it a little bit differently this time. And, you know, he made it nighttime where Ray was and everything like that. But they took this Force Link thing to an entirely new level. At for, for me, it was believable in The Last Jedi. It was not believable for me in this movie. This movie was... I mean, this is not this movie. This Skype thing in this movie, this Force Connect thing, went to an entirely new level. It defied... I don't want to say it defied physics, because we don't know what the physics of the Star Wars galaxy are. But it defied everything that makes sense as far as I'm concerned. You know? Uh, even in The Last Jedi, when... I think it was the second time that they talked. And he wiped the water off his face from the rain and held it out. The water transported through time and space. To wherever he was. And it didn't bother me so much back then. Because it was one of those things where like... Oh, okay. It was just symbolic to kind of show how close they were. This film takes that to an entirely new level. To the point where, look, the first time it happens in this movie, and uh, Ray and everybody, and Ray and company are on Pasana, and that little girl puts the necklace around her neck, asks, "Who are you?" You know, three PO's translating says, "Who are you?" And she's like, "I don't have a last name. My name's Ray. I don't have a last name." And she has this necklace on, and then her and Kylo start to talk. And what's the first thing he does? He reaches out, grabs the necklace, and pulls it in. How are you transporting stuff through time and space like that? And then 10 seconds later, the First Order already has it analyzed and knows exactly where they're at. For They're on this one planet in this one region with this one village that has this one celebration every 42 years. That's where they're at. Just by analyzing a necklace. You know how many billions of cultures there are out in the, in the Star Wars galaxy? That was the one. 10 seconds later, they had it. And they just happened to have First Order troops there too? Uh, it just, and then, you know, they took it to the next step, you know, the lightsaber battles through time and space. Shut up. There's no way. There's no way, you know? And, and the other thing, when Ray and Kylo were having this lightsaber battle across time and space, and she's in his quarters and he's down on the, in the city of this planet. I don't even remember the name. Of, I barely remember the names of a lot of the planets in this. Uh, but she's holding the dagger in one hand and fighting him with a saber in the other, but he still didn't know where she was until the Vader helmet fell and hit the ground. He didn't realize that she had the dagger in her hand the whole time. He should have known then that was in my room. She's in my room right now. You know, you can't, you can't have lightsaber battles through time and space. It You can't do it. You know, you can project a ghost, but even if you're projecting a ghost, right? T take this into, into consideration. Luke transported himself a, Cross time and space, same way. But his was just a ghost figure. Lightsaber had no effect on it. What the hell's the point of a lightsaber battle if the lightsabers aren't going to, to kill each other? And if Luke died just being a, a, a hologram version of himself, how are these two having a lightsaber battle thousands of miles apart? It makes no sense to me. And if, and if you want to say it's Palpatine still connecting them, if he's this GD powerful, 
Why the hell can he not just call down lightning throughout the galaxy and just cook her wherever she's sitting? Cook anybody he wants where they're sitting. If he's that GD powerful, how is he not doing that? You know, and then they take it even a step further. In the final act of the film, you know, Ray's got Leia's lightsaber back behind her back. And she reaches back with Luke's lightsaber in her hand back behind her head. And when she pulls back out, it's gone. But Ben has it all of a sudden. That lightsaber traveled to him. It's crap. At least in my opinion, it's crap. I know some people out there may really like the way that they did that. I just, I'm not one of them. I just, it makes no, you know what? Do you have any idea what an ability like that would mean for the galaxy? That you could just transport stuff through time and space like that? What's the point of smugglers then? What's the point of having to hire smugglers to transport stuff from one area of the galaxy to the other? What's the point of even getting on uh, a transport and flying across it? What's the point of, of starships? What's the point of any of it? If you can just transport stuff through time and space. Granted, you have to, you have, to have the force to do it, but it, it makes no sense narratively. It's a plot device. That's all it is. So I, I, I couldn't stand the way they did that. It just... It, it really, it really got to me. I, I, like I said, I didn't mind it so much in Last Jedi because I could kind of write off the water thing. But they really took it a step further in this one. Uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about in this movie is Ray's lineage. And this is a question we've had since 2015. Uh, actually, yeah, the, the, I should say the entire year of 2015, even leading up to the movie, with the trailer saying, who are you? I'm no one. You know, everybody wondered who she was. Uh Fan theories have run rampant for the last four years. We thought we were going to get an answer in The Last Jedi, which I still I still really wanted that to be the answer, was that her parents were nobodies, that she was a nobody. Because I feel like it would have made more sense as, you know, you, you've got this, this girl who is a role model now to little girls watching Star Wars. And she's this all-powerful, perfect being, right? This, this all-good-can-do-no-wrong kind of being. Who's a Jedi? It's something somebody for girls to look up to. If her parents are nobody, that's another message for little girls saying it doesn't matter where you come from, you can still be something. You don't have to come from a, a high up family to to be something. You can come from a broken family, or you know, I mean, just from anything—a mistake you made in your past. You can come from any of that and be something. That is a more powerful message than oh, only people who have this certain bloodline are really awesome. That, that It means a lot more the other way. That's why I always wanted her parents to be nobody. I felt like it meant more to her as a character. But alas, we find out who her, you know, who her parents were in this. And, and, you know, Kylo tries to explain it off as, well, they were nobody. And it was one of those from a certain point of view things where they chose to be nobody because of who they were. And her father was the son of Palpatine. When when did Palpatine have a son? When did Palpatine have a son? Because it looked like, and me and Kirsty got into this a little bit because she was trying to tell me I didn't know how old the father was. From guesstimation, from looking at his face in the film, it looked like he was somewhere in his 30s. Maybe in his late 30s. Okay, Ray was what, maybe 6 or 7 when she got dropped off on Jakku? So that would put him probably in his late 20s, early 30s when she was born, right? And she was born, what, 12 years after 
after uh, Return of the Jedi. So he'd have been, what, uh, 18 at the time of uh, Return of the Jedi. So he, he had to have been born somewhere between Episodes 3 and 4. He had to have been conceived somewhere between Episodes 3 and 4. I don't know. I mean, it's possible. The, the, there was one lady that had the hots in the comics for Vader. I mean, like, really had the hots for him. But I don't know a lot of women in the Star Wars galaxy who were lining up to get a shot at the Emperor. I I don't know. I just I, That's not something I really want to think about. But he, that's something that happened in Star Wars now. A wrinkly, old, ball-sack-looking Emperor got some somewhere down the road and conceived a son. And you would think that if he knew he had a son, Vader having a son was, oh God, this could be the end of everything. This could be, we have to find him. We have to turn him to the dark side or kill him. Those are our options. But if he has a son, wouldn't you think he would be trying to make it a point to go get his son, brainwash him and raise him as a dark side user, maybe as an apprentice to replace Vader? Because we know that he wanted to replace Vader after uh, A New Hope. We know he tried with cyborgs and whatnot and, and other Sith acolytes. Wouldn't you think he'd be like, I've got a son. I'm going to go train that 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 guy, that, get that kid. I'm going to go find him. Now, granted, we don't know the story. We don't know the story at all. They'll probably come out with a novel somewhere down the, right, the, bleh, down the line and explain what happened. But you shouldn't have to read it in a novel to know what happened. When did he have a son? When did that happen? I mean, was was his son one of Luke's... No, he couldn't have been one of Luke's uh, students. He couldn't have been. He was killed by the Sith Dagger by the Knights of Ren. It just... It, it makes no sense that he would have had a son. But because Rey is Palpatine's granddaughter, which was a fan theory that I think they decided, hey, we'll just make this true. Technically, if you really want to look at it, and, and this is maybe this is stretching, but we've had in the comics now confirmation. Well, I, confirmation they heavily imply it that Palpatine birthed Anakin, that Palpatine manipulated the Metaclorians in Shmi's womb to create life and to create Anakin, which would make you know Palpatine essentially Anakin's father. And if Kylo Ren is the grandson of Anakin, that means Kylo Ren's great grandfather is the Emperor. And if Rey's grandfather is the Emperor, that makes Kylo Ren and Rey second cousins. They're second cousins. And that makes Luke and Leia cousins to Rey. It, 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 I don't even know if J.J. If Abrams meant to do that. I don't think that, I don't even know if they meant to go that route, but that's the way it ended up going. That's the way it turned out. And that's why this whole kiss at the end of it is really cringeworthy. This Raylo thing at the end that everybody really, really, really wanted to happen. And it, these two, man, uh, it just, as soon as they started, as soon as they stared at each other when he brought her back and as soon as they looked at each other and she, and she smiled, I knew it was coming and I threw my hands in the air when I saw it and it wasn't in a good way. It was like, oh, well, okay, crap. They threw it in there to keep fans happy. Just to pacify all these tweeny little kids that wanted them to be a thing. And then killed him. 
I, I couldn't stand it, man. They She kissed her second cousin. If you really want to talk about it that way, if you really want to look at it, they were second cousins. Uh, which kind of makes you go back and look at, there was a video game for Disney, I think it was the Infinity game, where they deleted one of Kylo Ren's lines or something like that in the game because he said something, he called her cousin or something like that. Makes And then people are like, oh, that didn't happen. It makes you wonder if it really did happen now, if that really did get deleted and really was in there. But anyway, uh, that Ray's lineage, the granddaughter of Palpatine, it just, you have the grandson of Vader and the granddaughter of Palpatine going at it. It just, it, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I would have much rather her, at least she wasn't a Skywalker. If she'd have been a Skywalker, I'd have been pissed. You know, if Luke was her father, that would have made Luke a deadbeat dad. I mean, he was, it, it was just on on top of everything that everybody said that they didn't like about him. It would have made him a deadbeat dad. But they wanted him to be they wanted her to be a Skywalker so bad. So I'm I'm glad she wasn't. It, it it explains kind of why she didn't know anything about her family and why everybody kept it a secret. But then we find out that Luke and Leia knew the whole damn time. They knew the whole time who she was. But they trained her anyway because it wasn't of where you come from. It's about who you are. So, I mean, it's it they should have told her. They should have they sh- that's something they should not have kept from that girl. If they cared about her as much as they said they did, they never should have kept that from her. However, looking back, I guess maybe it's a good thing they didn't tell her cuz she didn't take the news really great when they did when she did uh finally get the the truth out of him, but you know, I I haven't watched Last Jedi since I've watched uh, Rise of Skywalker. I need to go back and watch Last Jedi again because I kind of, I actually Force Awakens and Last Jedi. I kind of want to watch them again and see if I if anything in the movies kind of jump out now. And I'll talk about my views on those two here in a little bit, but I kind of want to go back and rewatch them now just to see if anything jumps out. Anyway, moving on. This movie introduced something new uh, at the very beginning of the movie that was great for special effects. It was great for a good opening scene to a movie of a suspenseful scene it flies in the face of everything star wars has ever told us about light speed travel and that's light speed skipping for those of you that don't know didn't watch the movie don't care about watching it want the spoilers anyway at the beginning of this movie poe who's trying to run away from three tie fighters four tie fighters i think four tie fighters who has taken out dozens of them in in one shot and other films Got to run away from these four. Decides to do this trick called uh, light speed skipping. Where you just blindly start skipping to different places trying to lose them. And every time he does it, he's in Atmo of another planet. You remember in Force Awakens when Han said he was going to do that? And they were like, wait, what? You can't do that. That's holy crap. No way. That was unheard of at the time. And, and now all of a sudden there's a there's a whole technique of flying based around that. And, and, and obviously everybody knew about it because as soon as he said he was going to do it, Finn was like, where did you learn how to do that? He knew it was a thing. So why is that all of a sudden? And, you know, and it flies in the face of what Han says in A New Hope, you know, and it's a very simple explanation. And it's common sense. It's something they've always touched on in every piece of canon material where somebody's going into hyperspace. You have to calculate the coordinates and get them from the Navi computer. Otherwise, you could bounce too close to a star, too close to a supernova, and that would end your trip real quick, wouldn't it? You can't just blindly jump. 
even when they're in a hurry and they're trying to take off as quick as they can, they still got to wait on the Navicube uh, computer to get the coordinates. They're like, are we there yet? Almost, 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 almost. Punch it, go! They still do it every time. You can't just... That's how you get people killed. That goes back to what I was talking about with Poe being reckless again. That could have ended horribly. That would have been the end of everything. But he didn't care. You couldn't have taken out four TIE fighters. You couldn't have plotted a jump to the middle of nowhere, came out of it, let them follow you, take them all out in the middle of nowhere, and then go back to base? I just, this whole idea of light speed skipping is, like I said, it was cool to see on screen. It's cool for a special effect. But it just doesn't work. And I, I, I really, really think they got the idea from realm skipping in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. When they were just going through realm after realm after realm. I really think they got the idea from that. I, and I, I just, it, it makes no sense. Uh, anyway, enough said about that. Uh, another thing in this film that really kind of got under my skin was how these Star Destroyers, you know, okay, so at the end of this film, the Star Destroyers are all rising up out of the planet. They, Every single one of them has a Death Star gun on it that will crack a planet like an egg. So you have a fleet of 10,000 Death Stars... But they can't leave the planet because they can't get through the nebula to go out into the galaxy. That's why they need the lead ship to guide them out. But somehow, the ships somehow managed to slip out one to go destroy a planet that we saw the destruction of another planet in this movie. That one got out. Somehow the one on Endor got out. Somehow the one on Jakku got out. There were ships all over the galaxy that were still crashing. There was one over Cloud City, if I remember right. They, they were all over the galaxy, but somehow... Why were the rest of them still at the Sith planet? If those could get out, why couldn't all of them get out? Uh, and, and the thing that gets me is you destroy the lead ship and they all went down. They phantom menaced the damn ships. Wouldn't you think that's something they would have learned in phantom menace? Oh, and you thought they did with the battle droids. Oh, you can't have them all controlled from one ship because you blow that up. We're screwed. Everybody goes down. They did it in this with the Star Destroyers. That's a design flaw. That's a bigger design flaw than what we thought was a design flaw in the Death Star with the exhaust port before Rogue One came along. That's a bigger design flaw than that. At least with the exhaust port, even if we didn't have Rogue One to explain that it was put there on purpose, even if it was an accident, that's that's easy to overlook. That's like, oh, shit, why'd we do that? Crap. You're an idiot to get past the architect stage or the planning stage with something like that. You're going to control 10,000 Star Destroyers. And I know there's 10,000 of them. Because uh, the Emperor tells Kylo, we are at this. my empire is 10,000 times bigger than the First Order. So there's at least 10,000 Star Destroyers. At least. And you're going to control all of them from the command ship? And it went down like it was nothing. I They phantom menaced the damn Star Destroyers. And I hate it when they do that in movies, too. They did it in the first Avengers movie with the Chitauri army. They did it, uh, they kind of did it with Ultron in Age of Ultron. They, I, they, I hate it. I absolutely despise it. When there's a, oh, all you gotta do is take out that and they'll all die. It, it happened. It made no sense. And even the guns, even the ones that were still on the Sith planet, when all these thousands of starships come out of hyperspace, which I'll talk about next, when they all come out of hyperspace, 
Those guns were falling off the Star Destroyers like they were nothing. Did the Star Destroyers even know how to raise their shields? The guns were falling off the bottom. I'm like, no. one Y-Wing took out one planet-killing gun. One Y-Wing. Y-Wings aren't even that freaking fast. But these, all these ships coming out of hyperspace. Let's talk about this for a minute. So, one thing this movie did was, I feel like, completely ignore all the other stuff we've gotten in these books. And, and the comics. And, and, and I don't want to say the games. But yeah, I'll go ahead and say the games too. Because of a certain duo that didn't pop up in this movie. Between Resistance Reborn and Spark of the Resistance and, and, and Black Spire, between these books, there were things that were leading up to this movie that I was excited to see, and they never happened. And, and, and explain to me why in Resistance Reborn, oh, we'll start with Last Jedi. Explain to me why at the end of The Last Jedi, when they're on crate and they're in the bunker and they say, now's the time, if we have any allies, now's the time, get them here. Now it's now or never. Nobody showed up. Nobody showed up. Now I I do know before you guys start yelling at me, I know in Resistance Reborn, the Empire was or the First Order was hunting those people down and killing them. I get that. But they didn't get all of them. And nobody showed up. Nobody. In Resistance Reborn, a year later, they're still going from planet to planet trying to get resources, trying to find allies to the resistance. And nobody wants to join with them. Because Luke Skywalker's dead. There's no hope. Why would they want to join with them? They It takes them a year. No allies whatsoever. Nobody. But then in the course of 16 hours, Lando can get thousands, not hundreds, thousands of civilian starships to show up to take down the first order and first and final order. You didn't want to fight us when we still had Luke. You didn't want to fight with us when we still had Luke Skywalker. You didn't want to fight with us when we could have just taken these guys out on this planet. It'd have been over. You want to wait until there's ten thousand Death Stars, and then you want to pop out of nowhere and decide to fight. It makes no sense narratively. No sense. If Leia couldn't rally them, what makes people think Lando's going to be any better? What makes you think Lando's going to be any better? Yeah, I know Lando's a smooth talking guy. He's very suave. I know. But Leia was a symbol. She was the symbol of the resistance. She was a symbol of hope. A lot of people joined the resistance just because of Leia. The princess of Alderaan. That was the only reason. And it, it, it makes no sense to have all these thousands of starships, starships show up out of nowhere. How in the hell do you even organize something like that in 16 hours? How do you put the word out? Everybody shows up this point. Everybody come meet us at this point. We're going to hyperspace jump to this point. How the hell did they all get through the nebula that was outside the planet anyway? That they all needed to so carefully guide their way through. And they're coming out of hyperspace? It just it makes no sense why everybody could pop up out of nowhere all of a sudden. And there they are. Uh, also talking about the number of ships. You know, when Ray is fighting... Uh, the, the when she's fighting the emperor and he decides to cheat code the lightning into this guy and he he's hitting all these all these uh resistance ships he's taking them all out are you kidding me why didn't you lead with that he's that powerful 
He can cook all those ships, no problem. Let me explain something to me. How when Ray is trying to pull down a ship out of the sky and she hits it with a little bit of force lightning by accident, it explodes. But you can cast this like column of force lightning into the sky and, and into the storm and just take out all these ships and none of them explode. How in the hell are you going to... It's so inconsistent. It's cool. It looks cool on screen. Don't get me wrong. It looked badass. But it makes no sense. None. No sense whatsoever. Uh, I feel like Lando was wasted in this movie. And and the reason I say that is because uh, there was a leak. After, after I watched the movie, I went back and I completely avoided leaks. I, I went into this thing completely blind other than what I saw in the trailers. So when we got back the other night, I went through and started looking at leak articles that some of the leaks that have been coming out over the last several years or uh, several months, trying to see which one of them were true and which of them weren't. And it turns out there was a leak that Jana was Lando's daughter and that they found out that, you know, that she was or Lando says something about he had a daughter one time, but she was taken by the first order and he never saw her again. And then you come in, you you run into Jana, who was First Order and left the First Order, and you find out she's Lando's daughter. They cut the scene where he talks about his daughter, but they left in the scene where he was like, well, let's find out where you're from, and made him sound like a really creepy pedophile. That's exactly what he sounded like. They wasted Lando in this. They marketed this like Lando was making his epic return. We, we even saw in the trailer them all standing around this table and talking about uh, the, the, their plan. And you see him there in his bright yellow outfit and everything like that. That scene wasn't even in the movie. You didn't even see him in that outfit until he showed up with all the ships at the end. With the fleet. I feel like they cut a lot of Lando stuff out of this movie that really, really mattered. I feel like it really mattered. And it just, it made other parts of the movie not work, in my opinion. Uh, the last the last thing I'll talk about here, and, and then we'll get on to some other things of, you know, maybe of what the consequences of this movie are and whatnot. What it means. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about this one last thing. Throughout this movie, there were hints dropped that Finn was Force-sensitive. And it's something that... Look, I wouldn't have minded it if they had just come out and said, hey, hey, I think I'm force sensitive. And I know he tried to a couple times. Ray, I never told you, you know, and, and I'm force sensitive. They imply it. They show him having feelings and instincts and, and realizing Ray's dead. That was the moment where you're like, oh, okay, he's definitely sensed through the force. But nobody knew what that was until today when J.J. Abrams came out and said, oh, no, no, he was Force-sensitive. He was going to tell her she was Force-sensitive. You shouldn't have to have the director come out and explain something in the movie because it doesn't make sense. The movie should make sense. The movie on its own should make sense. You should be able to walk into a movie, watch it, walk out, no questions. And I walked into this movie that was supposed to answer a lot of questions. And it did. But I walked out with even more questions than what I went in with. And that's not what the end of a saga should be doing. You should be wrapping everything up. Uh, this movie was supposed to be the culmination of 40 some odd years of Star Wars storytelling. It was supposed to wrap up a saga of nine films. It was supposed to wrap up its own trilogy. I don't even feel like it wrapped itself up. I don't even feel like this film wrapped itself up. 
let alone a trilogy, which doesn't even feel like a trilogy to me. This this trilogy, quote unquote, feels like three standalone films now. And 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 you you guys who've been watching for a while, you've heard me say to people who were complaining about the Last Jedi and who didn't like it, and I stood there and defended that film, and I said, guys, wait until this is just the second movie in a trilogy. Wait until we have the whole trilogy. If it makes sense, then I'm sure you'll look at Last Jedi differently. Wait until the whole trilogy is out, and then we can judge it based on its on its own merit. Guys, the whole trilogy's out. And it doesn't make a lick of damn sense. This this doesn't like I said, this doesn't even feel like a trilogy. Each movie has nothing to do with the next one. Or I'm sorry, each movie has nothing to do with the one before it. Nothing. The only thing in Last Jedi that mattered was the Luke Skywalker stuff and the Snoke stuff. Everything else didn't freaking matter. The Battle of Crate didn't matter. First Order chasing down the resistance didn't matter. None of it mattered. Nothing. Even Kylo was three different people in all three films. And and honestly, he had the best arc out of everybody. And this trilogy was obviously about him. About his fall and redemption. Oh, God, I hate saying that. I This doesn't even feel like a trilogy to me. And, and you know, later on... Uh, what, when, what was it? Yesterday? Yesterday, I found an article that had Bob Iger talking about how him and Kathleen Kennedy were talking about trilogies saying, well, maybe we should just do a film and a sequel because trilogies are too hard. But no, they're not. No, they're not. If you do them right, they're not hard. If you do them right, trilogies are not hard. There are three part there are three act story, just like a movie. A movie has three acts, a beginning, a middle and end. That's what a trilogy is, a beginning, a middle and an end. What you're trying to do is wrap up its self-contained story at the end of part one. And really, you can't do something like that. I know the original Star Wars did it. You could watch the first Star Wars movie and then never watch another Star Wars ever and it would make sense. Awesome. But if you're going to do a sequel and then a sequel to a sequel, you need to make those last two go together. You need to make them coincide. You need to make, put some kind of connective tissue there to make it a trilogy. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. The classic Star Wars trilogy worked. The Matrix trilogy, not so much. Back to the Future worked. You know, like there are certain, there are certain things, and, and and you build up to something big. You make your plan in advance. I've been saying this for two years. What they should have done was sat down and wrote out the entire trilogy, beginning, middle, end, the entire trilogy. Hired all three directors, if not the same director for all of them. Eh, I don't want to go that far. All three directors. You should have hired all three directors. And had them all work together on all three movies. But on each film, have a different director take the lead. But you still got the other two directors who are in charge of the other two films to kind of body check you a little bit and say, well, if we're going to do that later on, we probably need to do that here. Oh, yeah, I know you're, you're right. Since we did that earlier, we probably need to do that. That's what they should have done. They should have wrote this thing out from beginning to end and then executed it instead of playing it by the seat of their pants. Because honestly, what I think happened, and and this is honest to God what I feel happened. I feel like they started strong with The Force Awakens. I know some people out there did not like The Force Awakens. And I feel like they, I I did, I, I did like The Force Awakens. I feel like they started strong with The Force Awakens. And, you know, they said, guys, here is our first Star Wars movie. This is going to be our way of showing you that it's in good hands, that we know what we're doing. 
We're going to focus on practical effects. We're going to focus on, you know, some of the, the prequel CG. We're going to blend it with the practical, practical effects, make something new, kind of a hybrid Star Wars film. We're going to make that we're going to bring back what you guys love. We're going to make this, you know, we're going to bring back the original cast and we're going to set this in the same universe that you guys know and love. Granted, you're not going to have all the EU stuff that you used to, but that's because we're building you something new where you can be surprised and we can nurture this thing and make it something great. That's what essentially they were saying with episode seven. That's what I think what episode seven was originally. Then we came to last Jedi and I feel like, because of how well Force Awakens was received, it wasn't greatly received, but it was it was all right. It was pretty well received. I, you know what? Better than the prequels. And a lot of people's opinions, better than the prequels. I feel like they said, you know what? Now that we've got the film out there, now that we've set the tone for this trilogy, let's do something that they'd never see coming. And they did The Last Jedi. And they got a director that was willing to take risks and do something that nobody expected. And so Last Jedi comes out. And I think when they sat down and watched The Last Jedi for the first time, I think Bob Iger, Kathy Kennedy, I think they all looked at it and went, we have something really great here. This is awesome. This is going to be the new Empire Strikes Back. I really believe they thought that. I really believe they believed it. Now, remember, I liked The Last Jedi when it first came out. Remember that? I really did. I defended that film. I defended it. I got told that I should be ashamed of myself for liking Last Jedi. I got called names for liking Last Jedi. I had people unsubscribe from the channel. You had me until you said you liked The Last Jedi. I'm out. All right, bye. I got no problem with that. Even when people were sitting around trashing The Last Jedi. I defended it. I thought it was a good idea. And even though this trilogy didn't turn out the way it should have, in my opinion, I still agree with the direction they took Luke. I still think that was the right call. But I feel like they really thought they had something with The Last Jedi. And then once they released it and the backlash started to come in, they were like, oh, oh, shit. No, 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 no. Too much, too fast. They're choking on it. Like we tried to we tried to force feed them. And now it's now it's it's coming back up. And I feel like they they tried too hard to make another Empire Strikes Back. Because remember, we were coming off of Rogue One, which was a great film. Great film. We were coming off of that. So that their confidence was, yeah, man, we know what we're doing at this point. And when it started to come back, they went, oh, crap. Oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap. And over the last two years... The, the toxic part of the fandom, not the whole fandom, but the toxic part of the fandom has trashed Ryan Johnson, has trashed Kelly Marie Tran, has trashed Kathleen Kennedy, trashed Lucasfilm, trashed everybody. And, and actively tried to ruin people's lives because they didn't like a movie. Now, remember, I don't like The Lash, I don't like uh, Rise of Skywalker. But I'm not going to go out and start tweeting at J.J. Uh, 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 Abrams telling him he's the scum of the earth. I didn't like it. So what? I'll move on to the next film whenever they decide to make another one. But for right now, let's talk about it. You know? And I feel like after The Last Jedi, they took a step back and went, crap, Colin Trevorrow has no idea what we're doing. He has no idea what we've talked about over the last year or two. Let's get somebody who does know what we've talked about. They got J.J. back, who had made a very acceptable Star Wars film at that point. That was honestly their safe bet was to go back with him and say, look, 
JJ, here's the deal. We screwed up. We misstepped. We derailed this thing. We derailed it with episode eight. We have fans petitioning to have this film stricken from canon. We have people wanting it remade. We have people mutinying in the streets over this film. Twitter is going crazy. Facebook is going crazy. Star Wars' name is going through the mud right now. We understand that this is a dumpster fire. We understand that Carrie is no longer with us. We understand that this is a lose-lose situation for you. We need you to do the best you can with what you got. Nobody's going to blame you if this thing turns out like crap. We just need you to make a movie that we can get out and wrap this thing up, wash our hands of it, and move on. Let's cancel the other stuff we've got coming for right now, except for the Mandalorian. Let's give them what they want. Let's give them Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan. Let's make Mandalorian look absolutely phenomenal like it goes with the classic trilogy. Let's take a step back and let's cool our heels for a while. Let's get through the fallout of The Rise of Skywalker. And hopefully, some people out there will like it. And, and, and some people out there do. Some people are saying, oh, great job, Trilogy Redeemed. Awesome. If you like it, great. That's great. I'm glad you liked it. I'm really glad you liked it. I'm jealous of you. <laughs> I really wish I liked it. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, this movie ruins the entire trilogy for me. Because like I said, it's not a trilogy. It's three standalone films. I, if episode nine had done a better job at bringing everything together and making everything make sense in other films, all of it cohesively together, awesome. But it didn't. It doesn't feel like an actual proper trilogy to me. I thought maybe it was going to. I held out hope saying, oh, no, no, nine will come along. It'll make everything It'll make everything better. Now, I was wrong. I admit it. I was wrong. I'm not a fan of it. Uh, one of the things I'm hoping for, though, as far as Rise of Skywalker is concerned... I'm really hoping, and I'm and I'm very very cautiously optimistic about this one. I'm 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 waiting to see what the novelization looks like. Ray Carson is doing the novelization of this book. Uh, I'm I'm sure they're going to do an expanded edition like they did for the Last Jedi. Because remember, I like the Last Jedi, but I still to this day believe that it worked better as a novel. It really really did. I really think it worked better. If if Last Jedi, if the story of the Last Jedi was a novel. It was just a novel that took place between 7 and 8. And episode 8 was really heavy on some of the stuff that they kind of introduced in The Rise of Skywalker. And then we continued that into episode 9 with a new episode 9 that really capped everything. I think it would have worked. But I just, I feel like they put the wrong story in the wrong place in the wrong medium. And it kind of threw everything off. So I, I'm waiting to see what the novelization looks like for this movie. But it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't take a novel to redeem a book. And, and people have told me that about Last Jedi. And I agree. I completely agree. It shouldn't take a novel to redeem a book. The way I said it on my spoiler review, if you sit down and you make a nine-film saga of films, right? A, a nine-film a nine saga of a story that spans so many years, you should be able to sit down and watch one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and everything makes sense. All of your questions are answered. Everything's wrapped up. Story makes sense. People's character arcs are brought to a satisfying conclusion. Everything should make sense. You shouldn't have to have novels and comic books in between to make it better. I, 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 I yeah, I'm, I'm saying it. Don't get me wrong. I love all these novels and these comics that are coming out. I'm going to keep reading them. I'm going to keep going with the podcast. But the story of how Ben Skywalker, or I'm sorry, Ben Solo fell to the dark side 
shouldn't be told in a comic the way they're doing. That deserved to be on screen somewhere. That is a galaxy-changing moment. And you're just going to throw it in a comic book? And what, a four-issue run? That was a galaxy-shattering event. I I have to tell you, man, like, I really feel like they got to the end of this and, and they were like, you know what, let's just get this thing over with. Get this story out. Just, just get it over with. Then we don't have to worry about this this part of it anymore. And we'll take a step back and we'll go on from here. I really think that's what they did. So I'm kind of curious to see how the novel's going to go. I'm still going to get the Blu-ray, the, the Steelbook, to match all the rest of my Steelbooks, put it on the canon shelf. I'll probably watch it once on Blu-ray and put it on the shelf, to be completely honest. Unless, by some miracle, I watch it again and and maybe I like it this time. Maybe something. Maybe I catch something I missed last time. But I'm just, I'm not looking forward to it that much. I'm really not. Um, so what, what was the point of this trilogy? I, I titled this, I, the thumbnail for this video says Star Wars, what was the point? And, and I mean it, what was the point of this trilogy? There was no cohesive, no cohesive story between all three films except Kylo Ren. And honestly, they could have completely just tweeted this story out and, and got the point across. Oh, Han and Leia had a son who went to the dark side. He killed his dad. Leia died. He turned back to the light side. The Emperor came back. He fought the Emperor and won. Like, that could have been the entire trilogy. There was no point to this. The hero's journey wasn't there. You know? And you, it just, there was, like I said, there's no cohesive story. So what was the point of this trilogy other than to make a boatload of money? That's what it was, to make a boatload of money. This trilogy just... It, it, it makes no sense, and it's completely pointless. That's that just keep coming back to that. It's pointless. It had no purpose whatsoever. None. I waited four years to find out who Ray's family was just to find out that a fan theory was correct. And, you know, I feel like J.J. sat down, too, and because they were like, hey, we need to keep the fans happy, I really feel, I, I really feel like he sat down and was like, okay, look, Pull up Facebook, pull up YouTube, let's see what some of the more popular fan theories are, and let's just confirm them for everybody. And I feel like that's what they did. I I just, I don't know. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday, and uh, actually I talked to Nick Albers and Richard J. most of the day yesterday on Messenger. It wasn't, them, it wasn't either of them that, that asked me this, but uh, I think both of them, I think, I think Nick Albers was kind of on the same same side of the argument I am. And I think Jay kind of appreciated it for what it was. I think Jay has said that he knows the story is there and it's got all the makings of a good story. It just needed fleshed out more and that we needed an episode 10. And I, and I, you know what, had they done that, I think, I think they could have salvaged it. But, uh, somebody, one of my other friends asked me yesterday, what do you think they could do to fix this? And, you know, honestly, like it's, you can't fix it. It's it's a movie. It's out there. It, like they're just movies. It's not the end of the world that this movie sucked. You know, I'm sitting here giving you my my spoiler review. I'm telling you what I thought of the movie, but I'm not going to go get on Facebook and Twitter and start ruining people's lives. And I'm not going to cry about it every time somebody mentions J.J. Abrams. I'm not going to say, "Oh, screw that guy." I'm not going to do it. I he you know he did the best he could with what he had. I think. But to if they if Disney were to come out and say, "Look, we're going to try to fix this. What do you guys think we should do?" If they came to me, and this has never happened, but if Disney, if Kathleen Kennedy and Bob Iger and Alan Horn came to me and said, how do we fix this? How do we fix this, this sequel trilogy thing? 
you erase everything in the canon past the Aftermath trilogy. You leave everything else you made. Leave leave Rebels alone. Leave Rogue One alone. Leave Jedi Fallen Order alone. You know, get leave all the other novels alone. Eh, Solo, I wasn't a huge fan of Solo, but you could leave it in there because there were people that liked it. Leave Solo alone. But it, but you look at the timeline and you take everything from at, from the end of Aftermath, which would be last shot, the novel last shot, on, and strike it from canon completely. Now, granted, the end of Aftermath still has the birth of Ben Solo. That's still in there. But you can still work with that. And I say start over. I say just try to do the entire Age of Resistance section that they're calling Age of Resistance again. Leave everything else alone, but just the Age of Resistance stuff. And I just, because I I didn't think that this, I didn't think a sequel film could ruin the first one or two for me that came out. Usually if a sequel sucks, I'm like, oh, well, sequel sucks. I'll just pretend that one didn't exist. But when a sequel ruins the other two, makes none of it make any sense, it sucks, man. You know, so I, uh, the, the fallout of this, I can't, I, I'm anxious to see what's going to happen at Lucasfilm. Uh, maybe nothing will happen. Maybe this movie will make a billion dollars and, and, and they'll just leave everything the way it is. But uh, on the other hand, maybe enough people will hate this movie where they start to look at a leadership shuffle. And and, and I hate to say it because I've defended Kathy Kennedy for the last several years and now she ain't going nowhere. And it was, well, maybe, maybe it's honestly for the best. And I don't want to say that, but maybe it is for the best. Maybe they need to put somebody else in charge who actually is going to put some love and care into these things and green light the right projects and actually be a little more hands-on. Look at Kevin Feige with Marvel. That guy's a mastermind behind everything they did over there. And I know he's planning on doing a Star Wars movie and whatnot, but don't put him in charge of Lucasfilm. Find somebody else who could do what kind of along the lines of what he does and 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 work at Lucasfilm like that. Now, I'm not saying do the Marvel formula with Star Wars. I mean, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is maybe step outside of the trilogy format. Step outside of that a little bit. Tell some standalone stories like he did with Rogue One with Solo. Tell some random ass stories along the lines, along the way that people like and along the way while you're working on that start working on maybe a new trilogy and and but do it right plan on it don't even don't even announce the damn thing until you're almost done shoot it all back to back release them a year apart like it's just you could make a project with three directors and make it work so beautifully if you just tried don't tell me money's an issue. Money's not a damn issue. If you're spending a billion dollars to make Avengers uh, Infinity War and Avengers Endgame, money's not an issue. Give fans something that can make them go, oh shit, maybe Star Wars is in the right hands. Because right now, I as much as I love The Mandalorian, as much as I love a lot of these other novels that have come out, as much as I love Rebels, and as much as I love Clone Wars... Is Star Wars in the right hands with Disney? I don't know, man. I don't know. I still don't want to know what... I still want to know... I I want to know what they were, but I don't want to see them adapted. But I want to see what George Lucas's original treatments were. Because I know that they focused heavily on midichlorians, which I know we don't say the M-word around here. But I, I know they focused a lot more on the microbiotic aspect of the universe. Might have been interesting to at least read. 
not so much seen on screen, but at least read, you know? So uh, take that for what you will. I just, I, I didn't care for the rise of Skywalker at all, man. I just didn't. I'm I'm really let down. Don't get me wrong. I still love Star Wars. I still love almost everything else about Star Wars. I, I'm going to keep reading all the books. I'm going to keep investing myself in the story and the comic books and, and the games. Matter of fact, I have to start Jedi Fallen Order over again because my PlayStation deleted my damn game save. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to be going through that again. I, I love this story so much. I love these characters so much. But I just I feel like this was a misstep, you know, and this will be the last negative thing you guys ever hear me say about it. Uh, I'm serious. I'm not going to beat a dead horse. This will be the last time you guys hear me say anything negative about Rise of Skywalker. So, uh, guys, that is my spoiler review. Let me know in the comments section below of this, <coughs> excuse me, of this video, of this podcast. Let me know in the comments what you guys thought of the Rise of Skywalker. Keep it civil. No arguing. The second I see any name calling, you're banned. I, I'm not putting up with that crap. So, uh, just for the love of God, keep it civil. So, guys, thank you so much for tuning into this. Uh, spoiler review. I know we've, I've been going for over an hour and a half. If you guys are still listening, thank you so much for sticking around this long. I sure do appreciate it. Guys, like I said, let me know what you guys thought of the film. So uh, I'm going to be hopping off. It's already very, very late where I'm at. I'm taking off. I've got a baby to take care of. I've got sleep to get. And uh, I will yak at you guys later. So until next time, guys, this is Brian signing off. And may the force be with you.